Podcast listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I am your host. Thank you for joining me today. Today's guest on the podcast is my mom, Michelle McQuivy. We just had Mother's Day a couple days ago, and my wonderful mother was willing to come on the podcast and talk about being a mom, raising a family, her exciting and interesting life. This was such a fun episode and a more personal one than most, which I think is kind of fun to get to know me, my family, learn a little bit more about what I am about and how I came to be who I am. I hope you really enjoy it. If you like this episode or any other, please feel free to share episodes, let people know about the podcast, leave me good reviews on your podcast platform of choice, and of course, send me feedback directly. You can email me at Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. I would love to hear your guest suggestions, your feedback, your ideas of topics. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at renoites. And now, this week's guest for Mother's Day, my mom, Michelle McQuivy. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Have you listened to my podcast? I hate to put you on the spot, but is this your first time actually engaging with my podcast? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's okay. At least that way we know that you will listen to at least this one episode. <laughs> so uh, so this episode is being recorded on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you, honey. We just had a brunch at your house with family. It was really nice to have everyone together. So to introduce you to my podcast audience, I think maybe the best way is just for you to tell me how you got to Reno because you raised your family here. All of your kids live here in Reno. This is where you decided to have a family. So can you just kind of tell me what brought you to, to be a mom in Reno? You were born and raised in Australia and then kind of like, what was your path to end up here in the late seventies in Reno? Well, I was uh, before I moved to Reno, I lived in Las Vegas for seven years. And before that, I, I traveled a lot before I went to Las Vegas in my earlier career. My early career took me to a lot of different places. I worked in Europe and in Montreal and a year in the Bahamas, South America, a lot of travel. And then finally, I went to Las Vegas in 1975 I actually went for a vacation, and for some reason, that vacation ended up lasting seven years. And so then after that, uh, seven years in, I, I moved up to Reno from Las Vegas, and that was in 1982, and I've been here ever since. Cool. Can we, can we brag a little bit about your previous career? Because I think it's really cool. So you were a professional dancer in big shows in Las Vegas and traveling all around the world, right? So you trained in, in ballet and you worked on some big shows on the strip. Can you talk about your dance career and, and how cool that was? Because I think it's one of the neat things about your pre-mom times. Well, um, my I sort of come from a dancing family. My aunt was my dance instructor and my older brother was also a dancer, very, very well known in Australia and also um, with the Royal Ballet Company in London for many years. And so that's where I, so I danced all my life. And then the first opportunity I had to, I did work in Australia and I worked all through Australia in a show called Funny Girl, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. I, uh, we did not have Barbara Streisand as the lead, but we had a wonderful Australian actress and singer. And then I had the opportunity to travel through Europe with a group of about six girls and you know, one um, woman in charge of us. And we started off in Athens, Greece, and then we worked in Italy, in a few different places in Italy, Milan, San Remo, uh, Venice, a couple of times in Venice. And then we, uh, our boss flew us all to Montreal and we worked there. There was a show there called, um, it was at the uh, Le Chateau Champlain, actually was the name of the hotel. And I worked there and then traveled, spent a year in the Bahamas. And I did go back to Australia after a couple of years after my mother passed away in 1970. And I did stay at home for about almost two years because I had a little sister who was only 11 and my brother, younger brother, was only 13. So I did stay at home for a couple of years to help my father. 
And then I left again and I went to London. And um, after that, I traveled through South America with another group and then ended up back in Montreal and then ultimately in Las Vegas. And so then I worked at the um, Tropicana Hotel in Las Vegas and I did a couple of other shows. I did one show down at the Union Plaza. I worked with Neely McQueen, who actually is, was the wife of Steve McQueen, the mother of the, their children, mother of his children. And, and so it was a very fun career. It was a lot of hard work. When I worked at the Tropicana, I specialized in adagio dancing, which most people are not familiar with that term. But what that means is that you work with a partner and a lot of the time you're in the air. And so it's really demanding. I went to class every day. I worked with my partner for 30 minutes every night before the show and uh, very, very demanding, but, but rewarding, exciting, you know, just something that that's all I knew. All I knew was dance, you know, until I was about the age of 30. That's fun. I think that's so cool to have a fun kind of career that's in the arts and in front of an audience. And I think it's really awesome. There's this picture of you that I have on my bookshelf with the giant like feather headdress thing and all of the sequins. And it's really cool to be like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. Like such a babe. Such a well, cool let thing. me let me uh, tell you that that is not what I did. That that um, costume that I had on in that photograph was only used at the end of the show for me to walk down the stairs and take a bow. Mm. That is not what I wore when I worked because, as I say, Adagio was up in the air most of the time. And that was um, just coming down the stairs when I worked as the principal dancer to come down the stairs at the end of the show and be announced and that's and so of course you know you look a little bit more glamorous coming down the stairs so and my just strangely enough my partner's name was michelle so he was a french boy so we had michelle and michelle oh that's fun yeah no i think i think glamorous is a is a good word for it for sure i know that you have these reservations that people will misinterpret what you did and right. that there's this mm-hmm. notion of the like the showgirl or whatever, which you weren't, and mm-hmm. you don't want people to mm-hmm. get that idea when you say dance that right. people like have mm-hmm. the wrong concept of it. So I know you're hesitant to talk about that as a big part of the conversation, but it's just so cool that you had this exciting, glamorous career, and I'd rather talk about it and clarify that it was not a showgirl thing and let people know how cool it was, then avoid it entirely. Because that feels like such a bummer to cut that huge part of your life out. So you were in Vegas, but then you left dancing when you, was that when you got pregnant with uh, Leslie, who's my older sister? And how did you go from from that career into into motherhood? Did you did you always want to be a mom? What was that, what was that transition like for you? Well, I had been married for four years and no, I did not want to be a mum. I was extremely career-oriented. That's all that was really important to me at the time. And we'd been married for four years and then I, I turned 30 and I have no idea why, but, you know, like they say, the biological clock sort of kicks in. And, and even though we had decided not to have children, you know, when we married, we didn't, uh, he was quite a few years older than I am. And I was, and so we had decided we were not going to have children. But then at 30, something happened, and I said, oh, my goodness, you know, if I want to have children, I'd better have it now. Because in those days, we had our children younger as compared to these days where, you know, women are having babies, you know, in their 40s and mid-40s. But So we just decided, okay. And then um, I got pregnant with my daughter, new sister, and... Then the career, it wasn't, it didn't have to be over the career. I had, after she was born, I had many opportunities to go back to work and offers of jobs. But it was, once you have that child, you know, your priorities change. It's, you you have a whole different life. You're responsible for a tiny little human being. And I have, of course, being in show business, I'd always worked evenings. And, you know, I didn't want to work evenings. I didn't want to be away from my baby. And so basically that was the end of my career. 
And I felt that I had done very well and been very successful and didn't really, you know, have that much ambition to achieve any more. And so motherhood was my first priority. So you raised Leslie in Las Vegas for the first few years, but then uh, moved up here to Reno. So you met my dad and moved up here with him, with Leslie, and that's when I was born shortly after you moved up to Reno, right? That's correct. So what brought you to Reno and was raising kids a factor in where you wanted to live? What were the the considerations that went into living in Reno and raising a family here? Did you know much about Reno? Had you been here before? Generally, what's your thoughts on Reno as a place to raise a family back then? No, I had never been to Reno, but your father was worked for the Department of Wildlife as a wildlife biologist, as you know. And he had the opportunity to move to Reno to a higher position with the Department of Wildlife. And I encouraged him to do that because it was, you know, a better job and just not that necessarily it was more money, but it was just a better position. It was one of the four chiefs of the Department of Wildlife and I encouraged him to take that position. And basically that's why we moved to Reno for that reason. And I had never been to Reno before, but I liked it very much. And obviously still do many years later, almost 40. So you moved up to Reno, you had me and then my little brother, Dane, about what, a year and a half later, and you were a stay-at-home mom for the first part of our lives. So what was that transition like going from working and even when you were in Vegas with Leslie, I know you were working as well at that time, but then up in Reno, it seems like you had a pretty different way of being able to raise kids. So what was it like being a stay-at-home mom for a while and raising several kids without the stress of, of work around you? Well, I actually loved it and I was very grateful for the opportunity that I could stay at home with my children. Your grandmother on your father's side was always a stay-at-home mom. And as you know, uh, she had four children and she was a stay-at-home mom and I think your father wanted me to be a stay-at-home mom, you know, to do... Uh, I don't know, just to look after the look after your kids and, you know, just be at home and and we could we could manage that without me working, which was really nice. And so I loved it. Actually I loved it for quite a few years. I mean I did love it for I can't remember how many years, five years maybe, that I didn't work. And then once you boys got a little bit older and started school, then I did want to work again. Was that largely out of boredom? Like when the kids go to school, did you just find yourself wanting something else to do and to fill your time and to to be interested in besides, I don't know, what stay-at-home moms do during the day? Well, I think I'm just a very, very independent person. I've just, I just, I've never wanted to depend on anybody, even though I was, you know, married to your dad and everything was fine and wonderful. I just, it was something about me that I just... My independence kicked in and and I just wanted to do some type of work and it didn't matter what it was, but it was something and maybe it was a little bit of boredom, you know, when the kids were at school all day, something to do and, you know, to meet people. You know, you can only clean so much, cook so much. So that's when I, I got a job. Well, actually, I worked for America West Airlines. And I got that job primarily because, you know, you can travel. And it was a wonderful opportunity because after one year of working for them, you were able to fly very, very inexpensively to Australia. And so you would not remember, I'm sure, but, you know, I did manage to take everybody to Australia and the kids when you were all little to see my family there. Have you always had that independent streak, do you think? Well, it sounds like with your your previous career in dancing that was travel and working independently and being out there in the world by yourself and then a few years of stay-at-home momming was it that same kind of desire for adventure and something new and something exciting you think that drove you back out of the house to do more things I don't really think it was the desire to do anything exciting I think it was just I don't know that I was ever meant to be somebody that just stayed at home 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was wonderful when you kids were all very young. I loved it. But I just don't think I was that type of person that just didn't want to work. You know, I enjoyed work. I enjoyed getting out and meeting people. And uh, there was no reason why I wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why not? You know, when you were all in school. Right. I feel like part of the reason to work, too, is providing materially for your family. Obviously, you want to be able to have money and income and be able to give your family what they need. And I think that that's been a big part of the story of raising your family in the last, you know, the last 20 years or whatever, or after we were out of elementary school and after you and dad separated, obviously work was very important. Do you think that caring for your kids and providing materially has been a big driver of why you're so ambitious in the real estate work that you did and your career in the later years of your life? Yes, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, I, that is very true. I did want to, uh, I mean, I needed to work when your father and I separated, I needed to work and, uh, to support you. And because I basically, as I say, an independent person, you know, I did. And if you recall, I did work very hard and long hours. That actually was not out of choice. I was happy to do it, but it was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, three children, I can't remember your ages exactly. I think 12, 13 and 16, you know, roundabout. I mean, three children at home, you need to support them. Your father was, your father, of course, helped. You know, he was wonderful in that respect, but nevertheless, I still needed to work. And so that's, and I had always just had little jobs. I did, uh, in the first few years in Reno, I did teach gymnastics at a couple of elementary schools. And then I did, you know, as I said, I did work for America West Airlines. And then I also worked for the Convention Authority for a couple of years. So I did have sort of little jobs here and there. I mean, not enough to support a family, but enough to have some little extra luxuries, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and help with the finances. You know, yeah. your father had a wonderful job, but he was a state employee. And we all know that state employees are not, um, <laughs> they don't get great salaries, but they have very good retirement. Right. They're the benefits of working for the state. So that's basically why I went I went into my next career, you know, was to support you children. Mm-hmm. Going back a little bit, did you always know how many kids you wanted? You said that, you know, the maternal instinct kicked in and you ended up with three kids. Were you, did you have any idea of like what size of family you wanted or uh, how old you wanted to be when you had all your kids? How, how? planned and uh i've heard you mention that you had four siblings and that you have this idea that very often moms will want to have the same kind of family that they grew up in do you think that's the case and and is that something that you thought about as you were you know putting your family together yes absolutely absolutely and one of the reasons leslie's father and i separated was because he did not want any more children he was very happy with one and he said you have such a beautiful daughter I don't know why you can't be happy and I said well I have such a beautiful daughter I want to have more Mm -hmm. and so you know it was a very big bone of contention and so uh, when I married your father yes of course we knew we were going to have another child that was just a given Um, I would have liked four total I would have but well, to be honest, your father didn't want any more either, you know, because it is a big responsibility for a father. Mm-hmm. And so after your younger brother was born, you know, he had decided that we wouldn't have any more. I would have liked one more. But in retrospect, you have three wonderful, wonderful kids, and and I'm happy. That's good. Glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, You've all turned out very well. Very proud. Very proud of all of you. Yeah, I was going to say that seems like one of the things that I'm very grateful for is that the three of us here in Reno all have a really good relationship that we all get along really well. And it's great being kind of an adult family all here in the same city. And we'll talk about more of that in in a sec. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about 
how you learned to be a mom too, because like you mentioned, your mom passed away at a relatively young age before I was born. So do you think that you learned a lot about how to be a mom from your upbringing? And you said you went back to Australia to help with your little brother and little sister after your mom passed away. Where do you think you learn to be a mom. It's a different world nowadays. Now there's mom blogs and podcasts and, and a mm-hmm. completely connected internet where moms learn and, you know, are very under the microscope about how they're parenting. But 30 years ago, that obviously was not the case. There was, you know, books for, for moms. But do you think that the way of raising kids has changed a lot between when you were raising kids and what's going on now? And, and where did you go to, to, for support and to learn and to figure out what you were doing. What was that like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, trying to raise a kid before the internet? For me, I didn't really have any help, you know, because Leslie was born in Las Vegas and her father's parents lived in Arizona. And so I didn't have a mother and I didn't have a mother-in-law, you know, that could help. And then, of course, when the new and your brother were born, your grandparents were in Utah. So once again, I know I, that your grandmother came down to spend a week, but I didn't have any, I didn't have any physical help with any of you, actually, from you know a parent. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I learned it from my mother, especially. I think, I think it's just a natural instinct. You know, it's just, it just comes naturally when you're a mother. It just, I don't know, it just comes naturally. I, there were some things I remember, like growing up, we always we always had dinner together as a family. I mean, my mother actually worked because we owned a business, so my, my mother did work. But we always had dinner together as a family. And I know with your father, that was very important to him that we all had dinner together of an evening and discussed the day and, you know, what had happened during the day. I think those things are important. It wasn't like that. It was at the beginning with him, but not afterwards because, you know, with work schedules and people now, and see, in those days the mothers didn't work, but in this day and age it's very, very unusual to see a stay-at-home mother because most of the people I know, the mothers all work, you know, because you need two incomes in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. I think it's crucial that you try to spend dinner in the evenings together with the family if possible it's not always possible but if possible but I just think motherhood well for me anyhow came naturally you know I mean I probably made mistakes we all make mistakes but I think I think it came naturally I don't really think I learned that much from my upbringing do you think you had support or help from friends we talked a little bit earlier today about a babysitting co-op that you were a part of, which I thought was really interesting because as far as I know, that doesn't really seem to exist nowadays. And Mm -hmm. uh, Christine, my brother's wife, was talking about how there's not as much trust. Like it would be weird, she thought, to leave your kids with, you know, people that just happened to be in a babysitting co-op with you and they're more comfortable with a school or daycare kind of environment. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about what the co-op was and how it worked? Because I think it's a really interesting way of taking care of kids that's very community-oriented, which we seem to have moved away from, but seems like it would be a really good idea and a a helpful way for especially working mothers to have some flexible childcare. Can you just tell me what the co-op was and how it worked? Well, I thought it was wonderful. I believe there might have been 20 women in mine. I quite, can't quite remember. But um, we were all mothers with young children, and I think you could only bring the children up to about, I believe, maybe age seven or something like that, only young children. And like I said, in those days, they were all mothers that were not working because we didn't work. You know, we were fortunate we didn't have to work. But, you know, people need time to themselves and some free time. And that we would, there was no money involved, which was lovely. We was just like babysitting exchange, you know, like I would drop you and your brother off for a couple of hours, like even if you just want to go shopping or have lunch with a girlfriend or something. And then I would reciprocate, you know, not with that particular mother, but with one of the other mothers. And, you know, I think we all knew one another. I think we all trusted one another and we all had our own babies. And so we did, we did trust one another. It was for me, it was absolutely wonderful because it gave me some free time. 
And in those days, I liked to play tennis, and so I could play tennis and then come back and pick up my children. I don't know if they exist now. They may exist. I don't know. I mean, I don't know anybody with little babies. But I haven't heard of any, to be quite honest. But I think that is because, like, compared to, what, over 30 years ago, to me it seems like so many mothers have a job and work. And so children now, I think, little children actually go to, to daycare or preschool as opposed to a babysitting co-op, like my own, like your brother. I mean, his two little boys go to preschool, mm-hmm. you know, because Christine has to work. Right. So, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't know if they exist anymore, but for me it was a wonderful outlet. And then it's very nice for socially for the children too because they've got other little children to play with and they learn to be kind and share. They learn to share and things like that. Did you make friends? You mentioned social socialization for the kids. Was it also a good social opportunity for the moms to get to know each other and to connect with other moms in town? Did you make friends from there? And was that a helpful part of the the parenting and social process to have like a group of moms? Is this like in the pre, in the pre internet age? Mm-hmm. It was, but you know, when I think back to all the moms that were in my co op, I don't have really a friendship with any of them now. You know, it's been over 30 years, but I, I don't. I mean, I'm assuming most of them still live here in Reno, but it, it's not really to – we didn't really develop friendships, the parents. It was more for the children, mm-hmm. you know, and then once the children went to school and you were out of the co-op, you sort of didn't keep in contact with those parents, with those mothers. Gotcha. So it was more kind of a a functional thing to help moms have – care for their kids, but it wasn't necessarily a social group. Did you have friends with kids the same age? Like we grew up with the the Redshaws. So you Mm -hmm. had your friend Elizabeth, who was a best friend who had kids basically the same age. What was that experience like kind of raising your kids along with a friend who are of similar ages? Can you talk a little bit about that experience of having friends who are also moms and raising kids together like you know like as neighbors basically yeah that was nice we used to have once in a while little play play groups where the mums would get together and have a cup of tea and then the kids would play together a little bit but not for me not so much I mean you know uh, Elizabeth as you mentioned and a couple of other a couple of other friends but not so much Hmm. once the kids started school so after you worked your part-time jobs and kind of worked your way back into the workforce when me and Bain were probably like elementary school age, mm-hmm. once we were back to school, there was another big shift where you really dedicated yourself to work in a career in real estate. And you've been so successful in that. That's less related to the parenting thing, I think, except for it really did take a lot of time and energy. I remember as a teenager, you were working mm-hmm. all the time. That was a huge part of our mm-hmm. family dynamic was mom was always working mm-hmm. on real estate stuff. So can you actually tell me a little bit about what the what it felt like to be a a mom to teenagers who was trying to build a career in real estate, something that took a lot of time and energy and really a ton of dedication. What did that feel like trying to balance those things? Well, it was actually scary at first because, you know, when you have three children who are, what, 11, 12, 15, whatever you were, as a single mother, it's a very scary thought knowing that, you know, you have to support them. So that's when I, you know, went started in my career in real estate, which I am still in now, even now after 26 years. And I worked, as my kids would tell you, 24-7, I worked very hard, but all I wanted was to give them a good life. I didn't want them to go without and to give them a good life. And there were times when I wouldn't say that they were neglected, but there were times when probably I was unable to to be with them when I should have been around meal times. But, you know, there was a big choice to make. It was a very big choice to make. And did I make the right decision? I feel like I did because now my children are reaping the benefits of my hard work 
And I think they realize that. I mean, they really are reaping the benefits of it. And it's my joy and pleasure that they are and that um, we're in the position that now we can do things together. We can travel together and we can go on nice vacations together because of the hard work. And I think they understand that. And so it's been... It's been a wonderful career uh, for 26 years and I've been very grateful, so grateful that I have been very successful and managed to have a nice lifestyle for myself and for my children. Yeah, I agree. I think that the way that I think of that is in terms of investment, where when you invest initially in something with hopes of it growing and paying off rewards, there are drawbacks to that. It costs something when you are looking to the future. And I think one of the costs at that time was we didn't see you as much. You were very busy all the time. And that was challenging as a teenager. But I think that you were very cognizant of that and looking to the future of what your family could be as we all grew up. It feels like it really has turned out in the way that you probably hoped in that now we have security and stability that lets us spend more time together, that lets all of your kids live a life that is better than it would have been otherwise. So it's challenging to reconcile those things because, you know, as a kid, you always you want more attention and you want more time. And it's easy to feel neglected or forgotten or whatever you want to call it. But I look at our lives now and all I have is gratitude for what you have built for our family and i am proud to say that i've done it myself and i've enjoyed it and i and we are reaping the benefits and i think that's wonderful what do you think makes a good mom well i don't know um i'd like to think i'm a good mom um you're definitely a good mom. I'm just curious what you're, <laughs> what, you're, what you, what you consider. Like, I know that you're a good mom and I could kind of describe the ways in which you're a good mom, but I'm curious as a mother yourself, what do you think the, the goals are, the, the ideals are if you were to, you know, describe those things that go into being a good mom, how would you do it? I mean, I can tell you my take, but I'm mm. curious about what you think since you're the one doing it well i think that one of the most important things is to teach your children to be kind to everybody i think that's crucial be kind to everybody don't be mean to any to anybody everybody's different all children are different um some children have you know some issues and some don't and just be kind and generous and honest tell the truth i don't know just Just be nice and kind and considerate of everybody. Yeah, I would say one of the things that I think makes a good mother is being supportive, which is something that I find is the key to our relationship in our family is I would describe you as a very supportive mother. You've had kids with different life trajectories and different challenges, but I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I didn't feel like you were there and available and helpful. I think that there are really unfortunate situations where kids feel detached enough from their parents that they don't feel like their mom or their dad is there for them. So I think to me, one of the keys of being a quote unquote good mom is just being supportive and and present and available to listen, to be accepting. I think that has been a, a huge key and it's a big part of, I think, why all of your kids feel so comfortable and at home with you, even now as adults, as we've grown into our own lives, we still have this sense that mom is there for us. Always supportive. That's true. I've always supported you even even in the bad times, you know, the good times, the bad times. I do think that I have always been there. Maybe sometimes not quite consistent. You know, consistency with children is very important. And but sometimes it's difficult too. But I do feel that I've always been supportive of all of you, even in things that I may not have liked or disagreed with. Um, I've always tried to let all of you be yourselves and who you are and support you, even as I say, if it was not something that I would 
would have wanted. But, you know, that is your life and and I've always been there and will always be there. What's it like being a mom of adults? Because I think a lot of times we talk about parenting and being a mother and the immediate context for that is raising children. That's the conversation we have. Mm -hmm. All these conversations Mm -hmm. around parenting and motherhood are very focused, obviously, importantly, on those developmental years and those younger years. Mm -hmm. But you don't stop being a mom when your kids turn 18. Mm -hmm. So what's it like being a mom of now, you know, adults and, you know, both of my siblings have kids and you're a grandma. What's that experience like the, the motherhood experience as an adult, when your kids don't necessarily live at home or need you and they have their own lives, but you're still definitely the mom in Mm -hmm. our whole family. Like you're central to our family. So what's that experience like being grown up mom? I absolutely love it. I think grown up mom is, oh, it's the best of both worlds. It's just wonderful because all of a sudden, you know, you, you are my children, of course, and I, and uh, I know you respect me and look up to me, but I respect all of you. I can relate to you. I relate to you more as an adult, as adults, as to my children. You know, you we're, we're not equal, but you know, I relate to you as a an adult, and I feel that we can have adult conversations. We can share stuff. I'm not. I don't want to say, well, we're best friends because you know I hear that all the time. Well, you know, my daughter's my best friend, and you know, your kids are not my best friends. You know, I have friends and I have best friends. You're not my best friends. You're my I dis- kids. I disagree. We're best friends. <laughs> no, you're, you're my kids. You're my kids and I love you and I love being with you. But I, I don't think I would say, well, you know, you're my best friend, you know. Right. We're, my, not, we're not like going out and getting drunk on the weekends. No, and- no, you're my kids and I just love being with all of you. And I think we have, I think, we have the three of you and I, I think we all have an amazing relationship with each other and all together. And I think I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate because I do know of many people whose children, the siblings, they do not get along and they don't like one another. There's no communication. And not just one or two, or two people, many people I know whose siblings don't get along. And and it's it's very sad because I just feel like I am so fortunate to have all of you that are so wonderful. I love being with all of you together individually. And you three kids just seem to get along so well. Now, it's kids you didn't always. I mean, you didn't always get along when you were younger, but because you're all grown and mature and just I think you've become closer as adults than what you were as children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I feel that you're much, much closer than, you know, growing up. I just have fun with you all. I just, I love it. In fact, as you know, being the only one that doesn't have children, I I don't like it when you go for three or four days and I don't see you. <laughs> You know, so, but I love to see you all and be with you all. I'm blessed. Yeah. What do you think has, has led to that? So like you said, you know, a lot of families that, that aren't as close as they grow up and they, Mm -hmm. they grow apart or they have these divisions. What do you think it is about, about you or about us that has kept our family pretty strong and tightly connected as we've grown into adults and, you know, had families of our own and those kind of things. Well, I've been, I think I'm fortunate because you all live in Reno and I think that does help. I think if, if children are in different states, it's a little, a little bit more difficult, but you all are here in Reno, which does help. And I think because I try not every week, but I, as you know, I try often to have you all come over for family dinners and I think I think that's important, you know, to have you, in, you know, not every Sunday, for example, but, you know, fairly often to come, let's come to mum's and, you know, have dinner or spend the afternoon or something. And, you know, we try to spend that time together. And I think that's crucial. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped. I think that's why we are close. 
Yeah, I agree. I also think that, like you mentioned earlier, you enjoy seeing your kids as as grownups and being able to relate to them in a different way. And I think it also works in the reverse. As we have grown up and become adults, it's also helped us relate to you as an adult and an mm-hmm. independent woman and a complex person rather than just mom. So I think that I appreciate that as we've kind of grown into this adult family, that again, maybe we're not best friends in the social sense, but there is yeah. a certain level of respect for the work that you've done, the careers that you've had, the way that you raised us, that we probably weren't really able to appreciate when we were younger and less mature. And now as adults, being able to see you as an adult and a more complex person than when we were kids, I think helps build that level of respect and understanding and better communication that can't really exist between a parent and their, you know, their child child until, you know, until we're all grown up. Until adulthood. And, you know, when we're all together, I think it's wonderful. But also when I'm with each one of you individually, it's different. Everyone, each one of you are so different. And the conversations that you and I would have are very different to a conversation I would have with your sister and very different to a conversation I would have with your brother. I mean, we just, each one of you are very individual and it's fun to be with all together and it's fun to be with each one of you. You know, you and I will talk a little bit more politically mm-hmm. compared to, um, you know, your sister and then, and then you know, with your brother. Well, <laughs> I don't know about him. <laughs> we, we talk about... I don't know, remodeling the house or whatever, <laughs> you know, but you're all just so different, you know, and each one of you are so fun to be with. And then all, to, and all together, we're great together. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that probably helps that you had several kids and you can have this kind of diversity of experience of your kids. If you only have one kid, you only have one parental relationship. And Correct. that probably, I imagine, is scary for a lot of moms where if that relationship is not good, then that's that's all you've got. But it's probably nice to have several kids with different personalities and different mm-hmm. life stories that you can look and see, okay, these are all of the experiences of my kids and the different paths that they've taken. I'm sure that is extra rewarding being able to see those multiple paths that you've kind of created in this world. I think so too. And also because when I was younger, I was very fortunate to be able to travel a lot. You know, I've really traveled a lot in my younger years. I mean, not much since I turned 30, but I mean, I traveled a lot in my younger years and that's a great experience in life to travel. It really, really is to be able to travel and to go to Europe and all different countries in the world. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that you can relate to with your children. I mean, they haven't, you, you, your kids haven't done that much traveling, but hopefully you will. You're still very young. And hopefully we can all do it together also, you know, and that's one of my my goals that now, as you know, that once a year we take a family vacation and we go to somewhere every year, somewhere different. And uh, that is, that's my goal anyhow, that I take all of you and, of course, all the grandkids, the beautiful grandkids, on a family vacation because I'd like you to be able to experience that travel because the travel that I did was a wonderful experience and I would like all of you to be able to experience that as well. Mm-hmm. How much of the family element is key to that? Because we could always travel independently. I've done some traveling, but I think that part of the fun of these family vacations, which we've done a couple of, we all went to Australia a few years ago and we all went to Hawaii a few years ago. We went on the cruise. Oh, yeah, and we went on a cruise. So getting the whole family together, I really, really enjoy. Do you think that that is also a key to these travel experiences is that we get to do it together as a family and create shared memories instead of – like when you were traveling, you were doing it for work and you were doing it by yourself – or not necessarily by yourself, but not with your family. Do you think that the family vacation is a – obviously a better way or a more important way of doing travel? Well, I don't know that it's better or more important, but um, for me, it's more fun. You know, it's for me, it's fun. It's, I mean, I'm, I hope in the years to come when I'm not here that 
you, your kids will still do things together. And I want you to say, remember when we went on this trip with mum, I want you to, to remember family vacations with me as opposed to not with me, you know. And, I mean, we've done a few and I hope that we can do a lot more because I think they're wonderful memories, you know. And, I mean, you three could go all go away on a vacation together, but I don't know if you would. I don't know if you would go on vacation, the three kids together. I don't think so, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But if, if I'm here and we all go, I think I think that's just a wonderful memory. And I have, and for me, it's wonderful and I have such a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I don't know that we would travel together, the three yeah. siblings, without you. And I've always thought of you as the the center of this family like that's when i think of how our family works you are this like you're the magnet you're the glue you're this like core of our family that we all kind of revolve around and that's kept us in reno it has kept us close to each other it has kept mm-hmm. our relationships as siblings close to each other so i think that by you kind of creating these family vacations and bringing us together that's been a pretty big key in keeping us close to each other for those kind of travels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, it's true. And that's with my mother. She was, uh, she was the center of the family. You know, she was, she was the family and it, it was all, everything surrounded her. She was the family. And when she passed away, um, it fell apart. Actually, you know, it fell apart. Of course, you know, the children were much younger than what you all are, but she she was the center. And so in that respect I am like her. Mm-hmm. I think I I think I'm like her. So it's uh it's nice. It's nice because you don't you don't always see that. So I'm grateful for that because as you know, you know I have well today, perfect example today, Mother's Day. Two girlfriends here, they both have two children and neither one of their kids were here. So for me, it's uh, it's wonderful to have everybody here. I hope nobody moves from Reno. I mean, you did. You were gone for a long time. You were gone for about 17 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm very grateful and fortunate that you came back. Yeah. And I mean, a big part of the reason that I came back to Reno is family. I love Reno as a city. I'm really excited about what's going on in Reno. I think it's a great place Mm -hmm. to live. You know, I have roots here as far as I'm familiar with the city, that kind of thing. But the real driving force behind me coming Mm -hmm. back to Reno and staying in Reno is that this is where my family is. And more specifically, this is where my mom is. That's a huge part of the equation. So I think that's that's an important thing to to note is that it's not just I want to have a relationship with my family. But like I mentioned, you're like the center. It's like a, like a magnet. I feel like no matter what, I would have ended up back in Reno because mm-hmm. this is where, you know, the core of everything is, what, you know, what you built with our family. And Reno is a lovely place to live. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a very, we have our four seasons and it's a very nice place to live. You know, it's getting bigger and whatever, but, uh, and it's, I think it's quite good to raise children here. You know, we have, of course, a certain amount of crime as in, as in anywhere, any place. But overall, I think it's a very safe place to live. And I like, you know, I like living here. I love living here. I mean, there are other places I could live. I mean, I'd be happy. I could live in San Francisco and places like that that I love. I would never move because of your, your children. But, you know, you could do worse than living in Reno, really. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty nice place. Yeah. What's it like being a grandma? wonderful I love having my grandchildren I they're all beautiful kids I like being a grandmother how does it compare how does it compare to being a mom like mom is the hard work it's the raising the kids all of that and then grandma is you get the growing up kids experience but you only have to deal with certain parts of it and not others how do you how do you compare those two it's there I know you love seeing the grandkids but do you miss some of the the control or the ability to, you know, have a real influence. I obviously have an influence on your grandkids, but not the same way you do with your immediate children. So how do you compare those two? What are the the things that you like or dislike or the, the differences between it you think that you appreciate? Well, I love having the grandkids and I love seeing them, but you're young and you probably don't understand this, but the older you get, the less patience you get. 
and much and all as I love having them, as anyone will tell you, they love their grandkids, but they go home with their parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love having them here around, but do I want to have little kids living with me again, even my own beautiful grandkids? The answer would be no. <laughs> no, because they're adorable, but, you know, age does strange things to you and it you become less patient and, I don't know, it just... I adore them, but no, I don't want little kids around me 24-7. It's a lot It's a lot of work. It's a different love. You know, you love your kids. I love my kids. I'm crazy about my grandkids. But it's, it's a different love. It's not more. It's not less. It's just different. You know, you love them differently because they're your children's children. Mm-hmm. They're not your children. They're your kids' kids, and it's, it's different. Do you find it challenging sometimes not to try to impose your own mothering on your grandkids? I assume that is part of the grandma dynamic is sometimes grandmas want to do things their way or the way they raise their kids. Do you ever butt heads with Dane or Leslie about raising kids? Very, very rarely. I I always try to stay out of their lives when it comes to raising their children. Uh, It's not my job. It's not my job to raise the grandkids. If they do something that I don't like, I will, you know, I would reprimand them if they're in my house. If they were at their own home, I would never reprimand them. I would reprimand them in my home. And I don't always agree with um, the parenting, but that's not, that's not my job and it's not my position. And, you know, once in a while I might just say, look, why don't you try this or why don't you try that as a suggestion but I would never try to control the situation or take over, mm-hmm. no. And I do think, you know, I think Dane and Christine are wonderful parents and I think Leslie and Eric are very good parents. I mean, would they? Would I do things the way I, they do? Some things I would, some things I probably wouldn't. But, you know, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. That's not my job and I, you know, and I don't want that job. Right. And I think like you mentioned, having this adult relationship with your kids also means recognizing that they're independent, mature people who make their own decisions and live their own lives. And obviously you have a respect for that enough to not place yourself in a position that is not for you. Right. And, you know, and I grew up, the way I grew up is so different to the way I raised you all and also and very different again to the way parents are raising their children now. I mean, in my opinion, kids are allowed to do things today that I, well, of course, when I grew up in Australia, I mean, it was just would never happen. And even with, with you kids, I mean, I think that children these days, this is just my opinion, I think they're allowed too many liberties. I really do. And I just, they're, they're allowed to grow up too quickly. They don't they don't seem to have a childhood or, you know, an adolescent. It was just so different to my upbringing. My upbringing is just like day and night compared to the way kids are brought up today in this country. Does it make one right and one wrong? Not necessarily. It just makes it different. I think Leslie and, and Dane and Christine and Eric, I think they do a good job. I think they do a good job. But, you know, my, you know, I went to the Catholic convent, you know, we weren't we weren't allowed to do anything. So it's a little bit different. Right. Do you think that was better? I mean, do you think that parents should be more strict? Like do kids need to get like whapped with a ruler now and then or I don't I don't think they need to get whacked with a ruler, but um I think kids I think it could be a little stricter. I mm. think kids are parents this parents today seem to be a little more lenient than what like I would be. But as I say, you know, I don't say anything because once again, it's not my job, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think parents are lenient today. Do you think that you changed your parenting with the times over the, over the years? Like as you've seen parenting change and obviously very much in the, I think last 20 years or so in like the post internet, like everything's connected way. I think that that's a whole different world of raising kids than it was before. You know, when every like 10 year old Mm -hmm. has an iPhone, that's a whole different set of Mm -hmm. rules and expectations and stuff around kids. 
But do you think that as you had as you had kids and they grew up, did you find yourself parenting in different ways or kind of adapting your parenting as the times changed? Or did you have like a pretty solid concept of what it meant to be a parent and how to do it that you feel like you stuck with? Well, I I think I changed a little, but I still think my the basic things that I believe in, I still try to instill into you kids, whether I did or not. And I can give you a couple of examples. You know, okay, when somebody gives you a gift, I believe you truly need to sit down and write a thank you card and put it in the mail. You know, and I, I actually give the cards sometimes to Dana Christine so they write it and I address the envelope because they wouldn't do it and Leslie wouldn't do it either. But I, I think that's just good manners. I think that's good manners to write a thank you card when you're given a gift. I don't know any kids who do that these days. So that's, you know, that's one thing. I think it's a shame that parents don't make their children sit down and say, right, and not to maybe a grandmother or someone, but, you know, to a friend or whatever, thank you for the gift. You know, it doesn't take very much and it's just good manners. So that's something I think is a shame that children, kids today don't seem to have the respect that I think we did growing up. You know, they just don't seem to have the, have the respect growing up. And, and another thing that I disagree with strongly is the way that kids today, including my own grandchildren, that are constantly on the phone, on their phone and playing, and you go out for dinner and you sit at the table and the, the kids are on their phone playing. And that is because 90% of the time the parents are as well. And I think that is, I think it's so wrong. I just think it's so wrong. And the parents are on the phone. You go to a restaurant and you see couples having dinner and they're not even talking to one another. They're both on their phones. And so you go out for dinner with the grandkids and they don't converse with you. They don't talk to you. They're just on their phones. See, I I, I think that's so wrong. I mean, you, you boys didn't do it. Well, you didn't have phones then anyhow. Exactly. But even if you had, I would not have allowed it. I would not have allowed you go out for a family dinner. You converse with one another. You don't sit there on your phone. I would not have allowed it, but I know everybody does. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's one of the challenges of being a parent nowadays Mm -hmm. is that there is this societal standard of not paying as much attention to the person that you're with because you're distracted by your phone. Your attention span has been wrecked from basically using Mm -hmm. social media all the time. And it has diminished our ability to have those like sit down family dinners. That's right. Mm -hmm. Not just because we are looking at our phone, but I think we've also kind of lost some of the the skills and ability to just pay attention to someone and converse. Yes, and and to converse. I think so too. And I mean, can these kids, can they sit and have a conversation or not? Probably not half of them Mm -hmm. because they they don't know. They haven't been exposed to it because they've all got their phones and what, iPads or whatever. And, you know, it's not, it's a, it's not good because they weren't, you know, they've got to develop, you've got to have those skills in life. And if you don't have them growing up, then how are you going to be as an adult? And the sad part is that most adults are the same. Like I said, you go to a restaurant, it's amazing to me to see couples out for dinner, not so much older couples, but, you know, your age, you know, couples, and they're both on their phones. I mean, why go out for dinner? Why not just stay at home and have dinner at home and be on your phone at home? I find that, um, I, I don't like that at all. But, you know, it's a gen- different generation. Every generation is different. But I worry about the kids, the younger kids, who have that lifestyle, you know, and they're not learning any skills, how to communicate with p- people. What, how are they going to be mm-hmm. as adults if they don't learn those learn how to communicate and learn those skills. What other advice or recommendations would you have for new parents today? Obviously, the culture has changed. A lot of things are different, but you raised kids very successfully. So if someone were to ask you, hey, I'm about to have a kid, give me some words of wisdom. What would you what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give? Obviously, teaching your kids to communicate that those values that you talked about are super important. Is there anything else that you think you would warn a new parent about or 
or give them some advice about that you think is is key to making sure that they end up with a family, you know, as connected as ours? Gosh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Unconditional love, of course. Unconditional love, even in the tough times. I don't know. It's a different, you know, I'm old school. I'm old and I'm old school. You know, what recommendation can I give a new mother? Nothing really, just unconditional love. You know, I always felt a good whack on the behind wasn't such a bad thing. But of course, in these days, you'd be, you'd be reported to the police, <laughs> you know, to give your kids a mm. smack on the behind. So I don't know. I'm probably not a good person to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm generally not in favor of spanking, but I do definitely remember being like threatened with a wooden spoon <laughs> and I turned out okay. So I think it doesn't always, you know, it's not always the worst thing. I don't support it. I wouldn't recommend any parents do it. Did you ever get hit with the wooden spoon though? I'm pretty sure that a couple times... I'm not I gotta, sure. I think you know, I just maybe used... maybe not a hard one or anything. There's there's definitely a a line between the the threat of a whack, yeah. a uh, you know a weak whack, and then there's actual like striking your child, which is a whole nother category. That's of a thing. whole so nother I, category. Yeah. So I'm grateful that there was mm-hmm. never any actual like violence in our household. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I yeah. Do. So if your advice is that we should bring back spankings, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Not at all. I remember the wooden spoon just banging it on the table as the yeah. warning. Sometimes yeah. that's enough. That's enough as a wooden spoon. Just getting it out and sort of waving it in the air. Oh yeah, yeah, we were terrified. <laughs> and that's something that's that crosses across a lot of cultures too. I think mm-hmm. that I mean nowadays not so much, but I think that was a pretty traditional part of parenting when I was growing up mm-hmm. was the the threat of mild violence yeah. to keep well, kids in check. I, I wouldn't say mild violence, but the threat of a not mild violence, but the threat of a whack on the bottom, you know. Right. You know, but uh, but it's sad though because you know, we had a neighbor as you might recall that used to used to take the belt out of his trousers and belt his children, you know, with his belt. You know, when we lived um, in the house that you grew up in, and I think it's just—I mean, I think it's just outrageous. It's—it's it's, it's cruelty, and it's so wrong. It's so wrong. You know, no kid's perfect. All kids are going to test you. Every kid will test you. You know, that's just a fact of life. You know, but it's unconditional love. Stick by them. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. You just have to always be there. And if they've got the good ground, you know, uh, from the time they're little and the rules and consistency in rules and unconditional love, even in some bad times, they'll, they'll turn around. They'll turn out okay. We've proven that in our family. Yeah, I think that is the the great lesson of our family is that, through the years, through challenges, through difficulties for all of us, all of your kids have strayed away and come back, have had their own challenges personally. But I think that by you always being there and us having a foundation that we always knew we could come back Mm -hmm. to, having that sense of security, I think that that has been one of the things that's led to us being able to be all together as a family now. If at any point in that story you had not been there or we had not felt welcome or we had been scared to to come to you or to come home or to if we didn't feel supported i think it would have been very easy for mm-hmm. parts of our family to to fall apart or to break off and i think that having that that yeah. security and that stability has been so key and and here we are it's brought us all back together and it's a, it's a great feeling Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I am so excited that we got to have a conversation all about being a mom. I actually learned some things like that we had not really talked about that much before. So that's part of the reason that I love this type of conversation and this type of interview is even people that you've known literally since the moment you were born can still surprise you with things that you didn't know about. And and I appreciate you, you know, coming on the show. I know that I know that this was not your ideal favorite thing to want to do. You seemed a little hesitant about being on the show, but I think it was a really, really good conversation. And I'm, I'm so glad that you did it. Well, it was a pleasure, my darling. And I love you so much. Listeners. Thank you again for checking out this week's episode of Reno Whites, and special thanks 
to my mom for being my guest. Thank you so much, mom. I really appreciate you doing it. This was super duper fun. As always, please be sure to follow me on social media, subscribe to me on your podcast app of choice, and check us out next week. 